It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 10th, 2011. Welcome to the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you on the Virtual Bible Study, as always. Good to be with you as well. We have a special guest between the two of us tonight. Donnie That'll Ra- keep us from fighting, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He'll be a mediator between yeah. us. Uh, Donnie Rader is with us tonight. We've been, as we announced the last couple of weeks, uh, we're having a gospel meeting this week, and we're having different speakers each evening. Tonight, Donnie Rader was our speaker. Donnie preaches regularly for the El Bethel Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and he was kind enough to join us and bring us an excellent lesson uh, during our worship hour tonight, which has just concluded, and some people are filtering in. Jacob, we're going to have a live studio audience of some right. of some amount. We don't know how many will filter in here. Uh, and you all, by the way, feel free to comment as we discuss tonight. Anthony's behind the board, and he's got a microphone there that he'll hand you if you have some comment to add in. When Donnie and I conferred about this earlier, Donnie, you suggested a topic that I think and told you so that we could use uh, in our virtual Bible study discussion. Tell us about the topic you just preached. Well, we, we were raising the question of, is one faith as good as another faith? I think that gets right at the heart of, of the barrier we have of trying to reach people with the gospel, is that if, if it makes no difference what you believe and one faith is as good as another faith, why study? Why, why, why tune into the virtual Bible study? Why come to services tonight? Why come to the gospel meeting? Why have a home Bible study? And so that's a barrier we've got to get through and consequently, that's why we spend so much time tonight talking about uh, the simple question of, is one faith as good as another faith? I think you're right, because very often if if I suggest that I'd like to study with someone about the Bible, they almost seem confused as to why I would want to. I'm, I'm, a, I'm already a believer, and I don't believe what you believe, but I already believe. That may be one of the better tools Satan has used in a long time. I think it's the most effective tool right. that he has. I've got a chart I use in preaching where I, I, I make the point. He puts this barrier up. And it is Satan's most effective tool, I'm mm-hmm. convinced. Because what I find, and I'm sure you do too, Greg, that when I talk to somebody about having a home Bible study, their answer is that, well, I go to church at, as if to say, it's kind of like selling a vacuum cleaner to somebody. I just bought one last week. I don't need another one. You know, I don't need I don't need your brand because I've already got another brand of mine. As long as you've got one, you're good. That's right. right. That's right. And, and and a vacuum is a vacuum. One will sweep as well as the next, and so I don't need to change. Right. And that's the way they view religion. And you talked a good bit about that in our study tonight. We want to talk some more about you, that. You're, you're, you're dangerously close to sounding close-minded and bigoted, though, Donnie, when you say that. That's the charge. That's the charge. And uh, we need to be open-minded. That's true. But I don't want to be as open as the Bible is and as closed as the Bible is. Okay. All right. If you'd like to participate in the program tonight, the number to call is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Paul from Indiana is in the chat room, Donnie, and I think uh, you may know Paul. He's a... uh, so let's tell you hello. And, uh, Paul so, Adams. I do know Paul. Yeah. So uh, there's some other listeners trickling in as well. So we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. 
Jacob, uh, earlier today I sent out to our update list telling about our topic and giving some questions for consideration. Uh, we do that every week, as we always mention, on Thursday about noon. We send out an email to those who are on our list telling you about the topic for the discussion that night, asking you some questions that we hope to discuss during our time on the air. Uh, if you'd like to get on our list and you're not, just simply send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just put in the subject line, add me to the list, and we'll do that. Here are the questions I sent out earlier today. Number one, how would you answer those who say it's wrong to judge another person's faith? Number two, what are some of the wrong standards that people might use to judge if a faith is good? Yes. Uh, how, uh-huh. do they, how do they make that decision? Is one faith, such as Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Hindu, as good as another? Why or why not? And then, is one faith, such as Methodist, Catholic, Lutheran, and so forth, as good as another? Why or why not? Now, Donnie covered all of that very well in in the sermon, but we will get a little more discussion going here. I want to start out, Donnie, with the question. Someone says, well, now, wait a minute. If you have your faith, and I have my faith, how... By what right do you have to tell me that my faith is wrong and yours is right or anybody's is wrong for that? I mean, how can you judge someone else concerning their faith? It's their faith, after all. Well, we have to have an objective standard. And uh, I often illustrate this in, in a sermon I do along the same line as the one tonight. Is, uh, and, and we were talking as we were eating supper tonight about the building process. I think Jacob's just built a house. When in, in the process, you, you go through the wiring of the house. What if I came in and said... It doesn't make any difference how you wire the house, just as long as the lights come on and the plugs work. Well, you would have to say, well, there's a standard you go by. That is, there's a code, a building code we go by. So who am I to tell you that the plugs were wrong, or who are you to tell me that my plugs are wrong? The point is there's an objective standard. The same thing is true in religion. We have an objective standard. And that's the word of God. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God, First Peter 4.11. Yeah, back to that, Donnie. If, if I wanted to hire you to wire my house and you came in and said, oh, it doesn't matter how I do it, I'll just do it however I feel, I w- there's no way in the world I'd pay any money to wire my house because I know that there has to be a right way and a wrong way. We, right. we would use that in, a, in our everyday life, but when it gets to religious matters, somehow that logic just flies out the window. Right, and, and, and to say that well, my electrician said or my house was wired this way or... or I've got a friend who said this is okay. It makes no difference. We've got to go back to the standard. That's right. What does the code say? And so we've got a standard, the, the, the Word of God, the Bible. That's right. Go by. That's right. And so ultimately when, when we try to draw a conclusion and say that can't be right, we're not basing that determination upon our own opinion or what we like or dislike. We're trying to say that's not right because I'm comparing it to this objective standard of the right. Word of God. And based upon what is said here, I can make that determination. What that says is not what this says. Therefore, that can't be right because this is right. Uh, 877 Getting back to that, though, that does then show the necessity of having authority for all that you do. Because if you are just going by your opinions, then you have no ground to stand on to tell me that I'm wrong, if it's just your opinion. Right. Because I can have an opinion just like you, unless there is that absolute standard that we go by. There has to be that absolute standard, an objective standard that... And, and maybe it's helpful, maybe somebody's listening that doesn't understand what we mean by an objective standard. Uh, there has to be a standard that's unchanging, that's unwavering. Let's go back to the wiring of the house. I feel like this will work. Right. That's, that's a subjective standard. You feel like it's another way. Or your, your granddad wired it, his house a different way. That's a subjective standard. We've got to go by an objective standard that is unvarying and unchanging. All right. I've heard people say uh, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. <laughs> But that doesn't make it right, right? So, uh, again, we need need something concrete. 
And we would demand that in most every field. When I go to the doctor, I don't want him making a diagnosis of me based upon just his think-sos or his opinions or his feelings. I want him to know for sure based upon you know legitimate study and knowledge as to what's going on before he prescribes a, and, when, a and when he gives you the medicine, he just reaches in a bag and closes his eyes and pulls out something to give you. One's as good as another. Yeah. I'm not going to go with that. I'm not going to go to that doctor. I'm not even going to take my car to a mechanic who's just going to operate on that basis. I want him to know, based upon factual information, what he's doing with my car. So if my physical health and my car and wiring of my house and everything else is essential and important, that you go by what's right and you don't do what's wrong, then why wouldn't we apply that same logic when it comes to our spiritual service to God, which is most important of all? All right. I think that's right. right. Okay. Um, again, in the, uh, concerning the question of judging, we're going to get verses like Matthew 7, verse 1, thrown up to us pretty often. Judge not that you be not judged. We've talked about that plenty of times before in the virtual Bible study. We understand that Jesus is not forbidding all judging. He, there he's forbidding hypocritical judgments. Uh, in other words, don't judge someone else uh, until you have your own house in order. Don't, don't make charges in a hypocritical way. But in the very same chapter, Matthew 7, he tells us uh, to beware of false prophets. Mm -hmm. And he tells us that we will have to know them by their fruits. That is, we'll have to make some judgment based upon what they're doing. And so Jesus clearly in Matthew 7 is not forbidding all judgment. All right. We look forward to hearing from you on the phone. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeu.com. If you're not signed in the chat room, it's easy. Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window. And we also have... Uh, an audience uh, with us tonight, and Arthur is in the audience, and he has a, a comment as well. Uh, looking at Proverbs 19 and verse 21, along the line of what you all been talking about, it said, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That's right. All right. Uh, that gets back to the, the objective standard as well. Very good. All exactly right. right. You know, Greg, you mentioned Matthew 7. I've often been amused at the fact that we are said to be wrong, that we judge people by, by things we say, and yet the very person making the charge is judging us to be wrong. What? That seems so inconsistent that I, I don't understand. That's right. You're judging me. Right. Well, they're judging that I'm judging. <laughs> exactly. So they're guilty of what they're accusing us of. All right. Early in the sermon uh, tonight, uh, Donnie, you brought up a passage that uh, the Scriptures teach this uh, sort of exclusive faith, that, uh, that it doesn't talk about faith and, and plurality in the Scriptures as being acceptable to God. Right. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 6, that passage talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One faith, is the Bible mentions the fact that there is one faith. It doesn't mention that there are faiths. And we analyze from the context that does, does one faith mean only one faith? And the answer is, yes, it does mean only one faith, just like one Lord means only one Lord. And one God means only one God. And uh, one spirit means only one spirit. And if we do that with all of those, why not do the same thing with the one faith? And if I allow one faith to include other faiths, then one God can include other gods. Okay. That's yeah, very clear. It's Ephesians 4, verse 4, beginning, there's one body and one spirit. Even as you're called one hope, you're calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And so if if multiple faiths are okay, that passage, you'd have to say then you could have different gods, different spirits, and so forth. And in fact, uh, your thought in your sermon was echoed in an email we got from Larry in Cookville, Tennessee, who said, 
when some contend one faith is as good as another, ask them if one God or one Lord or one Bible is as good as another. And so I think he was thinking along the same lines you were there, Donnie, in that in that regard. And I thought uh, your point was well taken there in that context of Ephesians 4, that the context is that of unity. And, and at the start of the chapter, he says we've got to have the right attitudes to have unity. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So I've got to, I got to be, have the right attitude and work at peace, but it's got to be based upon fact, the right facts, and that is the one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And, you know, and one, one, one faith argues for unity, but many faiths creates division. Just like many gods creates division. If, if you serve a different God than I serve, that creates division. Uh, if you have a different faith than I have, that creates division. And so this concept is divisive by the very nature. They think we're divisive by being strict. Right. And yet the very concept of one faith is as good as another faith is divisive. They, that's right. They would bemoan the fact that you would say that there's only one faith and as you being divisive. But how in the world can we have unity unless we all are agreeing and practicing the same thing? What if someone came back, though, and said, well, it... It depends sort of on your definition of what you mean by division. Uh, because a lot, a lot of people these days have the idea that we're not really divided. We're all Christians. You know, there's Lutheran Christians and Methodist Christians and Presbyterian Christians and Catholic Christians. We're all Christians. Johnny, you, maybe you've just got the wrong idea in, when you say we're divided. We're all Christians. Uh, how would you respond to that? We, we are divided because we don't believe the same thing. We don't teach the same thing. We don't practice the same thing. Uh, one group teaches baptism is essential. Another group teaches that it's not. One group teaches that Jesus is the Son of God. Another group teaches that he's not. That's not that's not unity. That's division. When you have one group saying Jesus, like the Jehovah's Witnesses saying he's not the Son of God, and the Muslims saying he's not the Son of God, and we believe and teach he is the Son of God, that's not the same thing. That That is not unity. That is division. Okay, I think that's exactly right. People have been sold this idea of, the false idea of unity and diversity, that we can believe and practice different things and still be united. But that's just, that's just a play on words. That's just a semantical argument that makes no sense that when we don't when we don't believe the same things and we don't do the same things, we are not united. You no, know, Jesus prayed in John 17 that the, those who believe on him through their word, the word of the apostles, that's me and you. I believe because of the word of the apostles, and so do you. Right. And so we're to be one as they were one. Well, how in, in what sense was the Father and the Son one? Did Jesus teach one thing on salvation and the Father something different? And if, if, that, if that was the sense in which they were one, then they were, they were certainly divided. That was not the case. And we're to be one as they are one. All right. We need to take a quick break. And during the break, we'd like for you to get on the line at 877-381-4567. That line is open, and the call is free for you tonight. Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? 
Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit the College U Church of Christ. Come see for yourself. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. It's possible to own too much. A man which owns one watch knows what time it is. A man with two watches is never quite sure. Two elements of success. Aspire and then perspire. Man, I wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We welcome you back to the virtual Bible study as we uh, welcome uh, Donnie Rader as our guest tonight. Uh, we're talking about the idea that one faith is as good as another, and probably one of the more prevalent ideas of the religious world today, unfortunately, uh, is the idea that I'm okay, you're okay. It doesn't matter. In fact, uh, one of the slogans, it used to be on pizza boxes, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, attend the church of your choice on Sunday. It doesn't really matter as long as you're in some pew somewhere, whatever you're believing and practicing. It's Donnie, okay. when do you think they started to sell that idea, the so-called ecumenical movement, uh, that you know this difference is not an issue that we can be united even though we disagree? I'm not sure exactly when that was being sold, but there was a time when when people who had different beliefs and, and different doctrines stood for their belief and they stood for their doctrine and defended their doctrine. Uh, but that's not the case. The, the, the idea is now that let's all agree to disagree. We used to have religious debates. We used to have discussions. We don't have those anymore because, after all, it makes no difference. Why do I need to convince you? You know, uh, you can't you can't get people to engage you to these days, it seems. We've invited people to come and be a part of this program who disagree with us on fundamental concepts, baptism, for instance, being required for salvation. And the, the idea is, well, it's just not worth arguing about. You know, uh, one guy told me that. I, I refer to that as coffee uh, shop theology, just sort of, you know, it's just sort of a hobby that you might it's, talk it's about. It's interesting to talk about. But who cares? Yeah, who cares? It's unbelievable. The people just they don't believe that it matters. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. Questions at collegeu.com. And in the listening audience uh, tonight, Arthur has another comment as well. You know, really, is there a difference in the faith or the doctrine? And I dare say that there's a difference in either of them. But, you know, there's two places I'm familiar with that uh, it has doctorings, the plural. And those two places is, but in vain, they do worship me, teaching for doctorings, plural, the commandments of men. And also First uh, Timothy 4 and verse 1 refers to doctorings. Is being of men, but you never find the doctrine of the faith of Christ being plural. Never. Okay. It's always singular. All right. Good comment. That's a good observation. Before we move further, Jacob, I want to catch an email from Stephen who wrote uh, concerning that first question, how would you answer those who say it's wrong to judge someone about mm-hmm. their faith? He said, um, I'm not, I, I want to say that there's absolutely no answer that we could give that would satisfy, satisfy the person making such a comment. Because to them, it is as good as another person's faith. My best answer would be that it's only logical that I believe that such a faith as my own is the only right faith. After all, I don't want people in heaven that deny Christ as God because they will not glorify God, which is our main purpose on the earth. Nor do I desire those who are willfully disobedient to his word that, that, that may call themselves Christians to be in heaven as they are also not glorifying God. I would like to teach them so they can go to heaven. But if they refuse, then I don't want them in heaven where... In their former life, they only denied his glory to others. According to Romans 3, 3, truth is always 100% fact. It is objective, not subjective. Yet it is amazing how many others will put their faith 
in something because of their pride. It makes me angry when I see people do this. Yet in the story of Ruth, where Naomi lost hope in God, by Ruth's actions, she restored the faith of Naomi, and Ruth's virtuosity proved most beneficial. So the answer in that question may not come from words, but rather by our choices to live righteously, to show them our faith is better using humility. The answer I gave before may not come off as being humble. He said, my wife says that regardless how we live, we will all be judged by God's word. Whether anyone wants to believe that or not, John 12:48, Romans 14:11. Paul adds uh, these comments in the chat room. We are not judging someone who believes or practices errors being of less value as a human being, just that they are wrong, and it is only the truth that will make us free from sin. And uh, so uh, that is an, a good comment from Paul. And Nick is listening to us in Washington State tonight, and he references Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, as well as the passage we uh, commented on earlier. He concludes, Paul obviously saw that there was one faith, which was a body of doctrine that was believed in order to salvation. Never in the first century has Jesus or his apostles ever sanctioned the idea that uh, of two or more faiths. So... Uh, uh, Good comments as well from Nick. All right. Donnie, as you taught us uh, in the previous hour, uh, you made the point, and again, all answering this question, is one faith as good as another, that you you demonstrated that the Bible contains lots of references to people who were engaged in religious deeds but were wrong in the doing of it. Exactly. We find that in the Old and New Testament as well. Uh, one of the cases I mentioned tonight was the case of Cain uh, in Genesis chapter 3, or chapter 4, rather, that the Bible says Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And um, the Hebrews 11 said he did that by faith. But the point that I saw from Genesis chapter 4 is that both men offered a sacrifice unto God. God was pleased with one. God was not pleased with the other. God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but not with Cain. And so what was the difference? Well, one was by faith, the other one was not. One was according to God's will, the other is not. And that's a case of one being religious and at the same time being wrong. And and I, I made the point that this concept, Greg, is one faith is as good as another faith. If that be true, then it's not possible to be religious and be wrong. All religions are right. Every It doesn't matter what it is. Sure. And if it, that concept is true, of course, and Cain and Abel is one of the earliest stories in humankind, Dating all the way back there, we have a guy right and a guy wrong. But if there is no right and wrong, then Cain, Cain's sacrifice was fully acceptable. Uh, and so we've got a contradiction right there in the first chapters of the Bible. If if everything's all right and there is no right and wrong and one's as good as another, then we're at a loss to explain why God would not accept what Cain offered. Right. Right. 877-381-4567. Give us a call and uh, let us know your thoughts on the subject tonight. That's uh, that's sort of one of the very early uh, instances of people having uh, religious conviction. But throughout time, we see that this, this, this idea of right and wrong is repeated over and over again. Well, another example that we gave from the Old Testament was a case of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offered a profane fire. This was in Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. They brought a profane fire. The New International calls that an authorized fire before the Lord. And the fire came out and devoured them before the altar. But now they're serving God. They're worshiping God, the, the Jehovah God. Right. They're worshiping him. And so today people say, well, that's fine. If they want to worship him that way, that's fine. I'll worship him with the fire he told us to use. But if they want to use that, that's fine. Right. God didn't see it the same way. Back to what you said earlier, you, I've seen this statement. Uh, Attend the church of your choice. It's printed in our newspaper every Friday. Attend the church of your choice. 
Well, offer the sacrifice of your choice. Right. Offer the worship of your choice. Offer the fire of your choice. It didn't work in Leviticus 10. One faith is not as good as another faith. All right. Um, along the lines of, of this point we're making right here, I had asked the question, what are some of the faults basis on which people judge that one faith is as good as another? Uh, in email, Stephen says people use standards such as tradition, majority, feelings, their spouses or other companions, most important, selfishness as standards. Um, one of the, I think one of the clearest cases of a fellow who was sincere and yet was punished for his deeds is that of Uzzah. You mentioned that in your lesson. I think most of our listeners are well familiar with the story of Uzzah as recorded in Second Samuel 6. Uh, they were transporting the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Uh, it, it looked like it was going to fall off of a cart and be damaged. And I, I'm willing to argue that Uzzah was as sincere as a person could have possibly been when he reached up there to steady that thing to keep it from falling off and being damaged. Uh, thought he was I, doing what was right. He thought it was a good thing. He, right. was, he was fully convinced of it, and the Lord struck him dead. And I, I don't think there's a better example in the Scriptures that show a sincere person is, is not right just on the basis of being sincere. You know, it's a lot of times so when you say that there are certain ways when you do things and that it's not authorized, it's not right to worship God in those ways, uh, the kind of music we use in worship, when and how we worship, that those things matter. People say, oh, you're just being picky. Don't you think the people today would say that, well, God was just being picky with Nadab and Abihu or just being picky with us? I mean, for crying out loud, they're trying to serve God. I mean, these are the finer details. It surely shouldn't matter on those kind of things. I think I think exactly right. I, I, people with the modern attitude toward religious difference, one is as good as another. People with that attitude, I think, have a are going to have a terribly hard time explaining a whole host of different Bible stories. All right, uh, Nick in Washington says uh, the people often quote, "Judge not that you be not judged by this standard." Absolutely nothing could be judged as wrong, and that is the case. I mean, if you're going to say that, and uh, you're going to condemn someone for saying something's wrong, then you, you have to accept any and everything, Donnie. And, well, unfortunately, that's what people are accepting today. Right. One of the points we made toward the end of our study at, at the worship hour was if this, if this concept be true, then we can do anything we want to do in religion, and nobody can tell me I'm wrong. All I right. mean, and when I say absolutely anything, I mean anything. That's right. Even immoral things. We could do that in the name of religion as an act of worship. All right. Let's talk about that uh, as we go along, because that well, certainly is, is a, a consequence of this doctrine. One one really good passage you brought up. We've used it so many times, but it's, it's so to the point of our discussion tonight. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Uh, Jesus talked about some people who they were obviously believers in Jesus. They called him Lord. Not everyone that saith to me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So that verse establishes that they were believers, but not only believers, they were religiously active. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils in thy name done many wonderful works. So they were busy religiously. It wasn't just that they, they claimed faith in the Lord. They said they believed in the Lord, and they were even doing things in the name of the Lord. In other words, they were saying, we're doing this because of Jesus. Uh, he says, you were doing it in my name. Uh, but he went on to say, I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is the King James. I think most other newer translations will say they were working lawlessness. What they were doing was not in accordance with the will of the Lord. 
And therefore, even though they believed and were active, they were wrong, and in judgment, Jesus said they'll be lost. They were attending the church of their choice, in other in other words. they were That's the modern way of putting uh, they it. They were attending the interfaith uh, worship service. They were doing whatever they wanted to do, and God was not happy. As, as you pointed out there in verse 22, everything they were doing was were religious acts. They were not immoral acts. These right. were not... Uh, these were good deeds, casting out demons, uh, prophesying. Those were good deeds. Sacrificial deeds. Yes. Yeah. And yet they were wrong. Okay. All right. So the Bible says there's just one faith, first point. Second point you made was it's it's obvious you can be wrong. The Bible contains many stories of people who were religious and yet wrong. So if you if that's true, then it's clearly true that one form of serving God is not as good as another. Can we add another example to that, uh, Greg? And that's the case of Saul. Saul was very religious in the Pharisees' religion, and yet he was wrong. He said, I've lived in all good conscience before God unto this day, but he was wrong. He was wrong in what he did. He was wrong in what he believed. He was wrong in what he practiced. I get the idea from that. that I mean, it, this was his life. Uh, he was very zealous right. in, in being wrong. He was wrong. Yep. All right. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll get this week's bullet point and get your comments on the other side. Uh, the phone line is open. The email is uh, working, and the chat room is open for your comments as well. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. His real name was Joses, but because he was such a great encouragement to those around him, he was given the name Barnabas. It means literally, the son of consolation, or the son of encouragement. You find that in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. What a great thing. Can you imagine having such a positive reputation that others actually give you a nickname based upon it? There are a lot of ways to encourage one another, and we ought to be looking for opportunities to do so. In fact, if we don't make a conscious effort to encourage others, we may very well become a discouragement. One of the more obvious ways that we can encourage each other is by worshiping together. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 reads, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see it? By being together in the assemblies, we have a chance to provoke unto love and good works and to exhort one another. If the attendance slips because of our neglect, then we have actually become discouragers rather than encouragers. Some do this without even thinking about it. They make plans to be out of town regularly, or they allow minor excuses to become a reason to miss the assemblies. Others let mild aches and pains keep them away. Clearly, you can't be an encouragement if you aren't present. We hope everyone will think about the important work of encouraging their fellow Christians by faithful attendance and by every other acceptable means. Who knows? We may have to think up a nickname for you. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back as well. We've got a live audience with us tonight, and we're going to start. Uh, how are we going to How are we going to turn up the heat on the audience tonight and get them to start talking? Well, you got any quiet. ideas? Pretty I don't know. quiet. Right? We'll we'll put them on the spot. Stir them up a little bit. All right. Uh, we look forward to your comments in the chat room, over email, or over the phone tonight as well. We're talking about uh, the idea that one faith is as good as another. I think we're showing that it's not. One question I asked uh, on our update list was the question of what about is one faith as good as another? Can we eliminate meth? Can we not not meth? We, we, we're talk, we, We're sort of when we talk about 
different faiths. We kind of tune into the idea of Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian. So-called Christian faiths. Yeah. But, but can we eliminate Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and practicing Jews? What about that? Uh, got an email that says, uh, um, you will quote Ephesians 4, 4, and 5 tonight often, but in this passage... But in this passage is a safety mechanism. If you go through verse 5, it says there's one faith. Those who call themselves Christians, though are part of a denomination, would say that the one faith is Christianity. Additionally, verse 4 speaks of one body, but this refers to the one true church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. So if you want to say this, Christianity is the only way, but there's only one church within Christianity that is truly faithful. So that in, uh, in that answer, uh, they've kind of combined both. But... Uh, can I can I say can I say with confidence and certainty that the Muslims are lost? That's the thing. This idea of one faith is good as another, Donnie, has really broadened. I mean, to the fact that you can even deny Jehovah, you can deny that Jesus is His Son, and so. Uh, you know, and I think most people that that I come in contact with who are saying one faith is as good as another, sincerity is all that matters, only apply that to so-called, and I put in quotation, Christian religions, as, as you call them. Um, you know, the the Catholics of the Methodist, Presbyterian, etc. They're not including all of these concepts of the Muslims and the Buddhists. And yet, I think that is a, is a valid question. Why not include them? What if about one the Jews? Is well, many are. Many, yes, some, many, some many are. are. Yeah. Yes. What about the Jews? I mean, they specifically reject Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you cannot be saved. You shall die in your sins. Yeah, yeah. 24. So, you know... It, Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, is Jesus telling the truth or is he not? But I think even the Pope has come out on record as suggesting that we shouldn't try to be too exclusive exactly, yeah. to, to exclude the Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, after 9-11, after other events, you see the you know the Jewish leaders and the so-called Christian leaders all coming together and holding hands. How can you do that when the, the own, your own beliefs, if you believe what Jesus said, the guy standing right next to you, you're saying it's okay, is not okay. Yeah, but but then on the other hand, if we do say, okay, yeah, at least you've got to believe in Jesus and you've got to be uh, at least a nominal Christian, if you if you take that point, you then have already excluded the majority of the world's population. It's true. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, who's judging who here? I mean, if, if you're willing to say, and I think most so-called Christians are willing to say this, some, uh, the, the very, very liberal ones won't agree, but most would agree you've got to believe in Jesus. If you're willing to make even that requirement, then you have excluded the majority of the world's population. And you've given up your point That's about right. one faith being as good as another faith. And everybody draws a line somewhere, Don. Right. People are going to draw a line. You use some ridiculous examples in your lesson tonight of wild things that you would have to accept. But people are going to draw a line somewhere. Right. Uh, and, and whenever you draw that line... If you draw the line anywhere other than where the Word of God draws the line, then that's just your opinion. That's right. The only place you can draw the line is where the Word of God draws right. the line. All right, if you're going to be consistent. Look forward to your calls, your emails, and your chats tonight in the chat room. I don't see our studio audience is still quiet. You all speak up when you get a, an idea. Another point you made, Donnie, uh, that I think is certainly a, a, a good point to argue that there is right and wrong is the many, many warnings against false teachers that are contained in the Word of God. I mean, they're just almost too numerous to even try to list them all or mention them all in a short study. They just The, the Scripture is full of warnings about those who teach error. Well, we've been talking about Matthew 7. You brought that up earlier, Matthew 7, 21 to 
uh, and the verses following 21 to 23. Up earlier in, in verse 15, Jesus warned about those those false teachers uh, that come to you in sheep's clothing. And so here is a false prophet, here is a false teacher. If there is such a thing as a false teacher, then one faith is not as good as another faith. Uh, if the concept uh, doesn't make any difference what you believe, there is no such thing as a false teacher. Nobody teaches false doctrine. It's a waste of ink, and, and it's uh, it's talking in circles, because how could you be a false teacher if you teach it one way, it's okay. I'll teach right. it the exact opposite way. Jesus warned about blind leaders of the blind. And so there is such a thing as a blind leader, someone who doesn't know where they're going, doesn't know the consequence thereof, Matthew 15, verse 14. And, and following him will put you in the ditch with him. Right. So the, the logical question would be, for those who are proposing this idea that one faith is good and other is, where, show me a false teacher. Jesus and God say there are false teachers. Show me a false teacher, and how do you decide that? And, and, and if I could argue their case, as, as you mentioned a moment ago, everybody draws a line somewhere. Most of those that we're talking about would draw the line at faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't believe in Christ, but they've given up their argument, they've given up their point. Every time they, they, they draw the line, they have given up their point. All right. Um, I like uh, the verse you used from 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out in the world. Well, if it doesn't matter, then why do I need to try them? If if one's as good as another, why do I need to even make a, a decision as to whether they are teaching truth or error? Because it's all good, and it doesn't matter. But the Bible tells us to try the spirits, Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 3 warns there will be false teachers among you and and uh bring in what's he say bring in damnable heresies yeah what's that i mean uh, for, for crying out loud that sounds awful close-minded uh, they will bring in damnable heresies even denying the lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways that doesn't sound very open-minded to me and greg that whole book is devoted to a false doctrine uh, and, and answering a false doctrine. And if you stopped and thought about how much of the New Testament deals with false teachers and yeah. false doctrine, you know, the book of Romans deals with Judaizing teachers. Uh, the book of, well, every one of the Gospels deals with the uh, the Pharisees. Right. And so you start taking out the books that deal with false doctrine and false teachers, that's most of the New Testament. You wouldn't Testament. have much left. We, there wouldn't be anything left. And there. really, the, the whole New Testament story, certainly all through the book of Acts and all the conversions are there, of people changing from one form of religion to another. Yeah. If it didn't matter... Why change? Why change? Why, yeah, did Paul, Paul, why did Paul change? Paul in the chat room has made some comments a, a while back. But it says, if it doesn't matter, why did Paul write Galatians, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5? And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission, even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue in you. Paul was wasting his time because of these guys who are sneaking in this doctrine, well, it had been okay, just let it go. Uh, Paul also says in Galatians chapter 1, uh, Paul warned against a perverted, different gospel. So, again, the same comments are made there. In the chat room, John says that there will be many false teachers, uh, and... Uh, and then Anthony adds, that was that was way back in the first century. Imagine today, it's multiplied exponentially, which I think is true. Um, Nick uh, says, Paul and Jesus would not have made it in our society. Paul and Galatians presented single a single gospel and no other. Galatians 1, 6 through 8. And then he, he references that. I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God for a different gospel, which is really not another, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Paul Paul says, don't let anybody teach something different than this. All right, Anthony's behind the controls tonight and engaged in some chat uh, as well about uh, current trends in our society, Anthony, and uh, the current trends are, uh, you know, towards the inclusive, but uh, not towards all. Right, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, there really is a double standard. I think uh, Nick kind of brought this up in the chat room talking about how, you know, really today being a Christian and especially being what, what would be called a, a fundamentalist Christian is is very much uh, uncool. <laughs> and rather, you know, we, we need to be inclusive of everybody except those fundamentalist Christians. We need to, you know, hold hands with the Muslims and... And with all these other faiths or religions, but we we don't want those fundamental Christians, for example. So there really is a double standard out there. All right, good good chatter going on in the chat room. If you're not uh, tuned in, there. Uh, in the chat room, Eric mentions uh, he read there are over two thousand religions. I I'm trying to think of some statistics I've read recently, but I mean among those who claim to be believe in Jesus, I don't think I read recently where the number is up around 20,000 different recognizable organizations that all profess some allegiance to Jesus Christ. I think his number's a little low there. Yeah, I think it's Well, low. and not many people use a phone book anymore, but if you open up your phone book, the religious section is going to be one of the larger ones in the other. Well, I don't know. I don't know because um, I, tr- I tried that recently. I was going to illustrate in a sermon. And actually, the number of listings in the yellow pages is down oh, well, people because are people are not using the yellow pages. Oh, there goes your but, illustration. But what I did, right here in our small community of, of uh, Columbia, Tennessee, I typed in churches, Columbia, Tennessee. You know how many hits, uh, how many finds there were on a Google search? One? No, there was. Oh, let's wait. Should uh, have been. There was like <laughs> three and a half million. Oh, wow. Now, obviously, not three and a half million churches of different denominations in our community, but that just tells you there's a lot of people out there and they're putting out a lot of information. Right. And it's, a lot of it's not true to the Word of God. All right. Uh, uh, John uh, references Matthew 7, verse 13. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many uh, there are who go in by it, but many false teachers, he says, and far too many followers with itching ears. Uh, that's a good comment. Uh, that the, the way is, is wide, and there are going to be many. Uh, doesn't seem very inclusive. Uh, doesn't seem very open-minded. Nick in for, uh, references 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now, these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to, uh, to myself and Apollos for your sakes, unless you might learn not to go beyond the things which are written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against the other. So good comments uh, there tonight. You know, where do you go? This is, there's, this is such a, a, a seemingly easy uh, concept to refute from the Scriptures. I just, yeah, it's like it's open and shut. I mean, if, if, if people will honestly consider the Scriptures, they've got to come to the conclusion there's right and wrong. And we've got to make that determination based upon the objective standard of the Word of God. Um, and, yet, and yet every home Bible study I've had, the obstacle of getting that thing started has been this very question. While it looks like an open and shut case, and it is, if you just open the Bible, that's the obstacle. If we ever get over that hurdle, we've got we've got it made in teaching somebody. I'm sure you've known of people like I have. Uh, have a good friend Jim up in Michigan who uh, stands out in my mind as a classic example of this. He was open enough, open-minded enough to see what the, read the Bible and say what what I've been taught is, and what we're doing where I've been worshiping is not what I'm reading in my Bible. Therefore, what we're doing can't be right because the Bible is right. If you can get people to make that comparison, then you've got the battle half won. 
Right, right. All right, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room with other listeners tonight, and uh, let's take a break. All right. Good time for a break, and then that will give us a little more time on the other side to go to the top of the hour. Wrapping up the discussion, is one faith as good as another? We've got some more interesting comments to make uh, from your sermon tonight, Donnie. We want to get into those, so don't go anywhere. We'll continue the discussion right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the program. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about the idea that one faith is as good as another. Jacob, just before we go further, we might mention our gospel meeting continues tomorrow night at 7 o'clock local time, and uh, uh, Troy Nicholson will be bringing the lesson tomorrow night. We're going to do our best to stream that on our Ustream channel, and so if if you go to our website, there'll be a link there where you can go to our Ustream channel and uh, watch that online if you can't be here in person. All right. We look forward uh, to tomorrow night, and then if you want to... Come and be a part of our services anytime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, and Wednesday evenings at 7. You're welcome at any of these assemblies, and we encourage you to come. Find out more about us, our directions to our meeting place, and our contact information at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. In Donnie's lesson tonight, he taught us that truth is, in many places, contrasted with error in the Word of God. Explain that a little bit, Donnie. Well, the Bible talks about truth and how, uh, how truth is essential. For example... Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. Well, wait a minute. How, know the truth? It's, it's knowable? That's, you, that's you anything but what people feel about it in our society right. today. You know, there's no way I can know for sure. Right. We're told that you can't really know the truth. Right. I mean, how, how are you to tell the truth? Who are you to tell me right. what the truth yeah, is? Nobody knows. And kind of going back to our illustration of wiring a house, it's, you know, who are you to tell me my wiring is wrong? Well, if you have an objective standard, I can. you can know what's right. You right. can know what meets code. You can know what meets the standard of the scriptures. So Jesus said you shall know the truth. Truth is important. It's essential to be saved. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it's essential to be purified. And it's in contrast to error. Like in 1 John chapter 4, you mentioned verse 1, 
Verse 6 of that same chapter talks about, hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. They are diametrically opposed to each other. They are not the same. And consequently, I, I cannot follow error if, if truth is what is important and what saves. That ought to be a refreshing thought, though, really. If you think about it, people embrace this idea of ecumenicism as it being some type of refreshing thing. But it really ought to be refreshing to, that, that we can know the truth. That we don't have to be fumbling around like so many in the world today. Uh, is this right or is that right? That I'm okay, you're okay. We can know exactly what God wants us to do. That ought to be a refreshing and comforting thought. We ought to embrace that. I actually think that the, the, con, the this everybody's okay concept has resulted in people being generally confused religiously. You, you, you talk to people who just they just their mind is a fog. They don't understand the Bible. They don't understand what the Word of God is because they've been fed this line that it doesn't really matter. And therefore, there's actually in most religious groups there's very little emphasis on teaching what is in the Word of God. It's all about entertainment, it seems to me. And so, they, and so people are confused. And it, so it, it hasn't resulted in a in a, the sense of confidence that comes from knowing the truth of God. It, John references, and John's from Edmond, Oklahoma tonight, he references uh, Jesus' statement in Matthew cha- or John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus was exclusive when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John concludes we need to be as exclusive as he was in our attempts to bring others to the truth. And he emphasizes the truth as it's the same. Don't you think Jesus would be criticized by a lot of people today? But when make, I mean, that's an outrageous statement. No one can come to the Father except by me. Most people would say that guy. He he, he can't he can't do that. You can't talk too like exclusive. Too, too exclusive. exclusive. You turn people away with that kind of talk. Dangerous. It's not yeah. politically correct. No. M.B. Thomas says, I encourage you all to read Jude, wherein Jude identifies the dangers of false teachers and the duty we have as Christians to quote earnestly contend for the faith. Right, exactly right. What do you what do you contend for if there's it doesn't really matter? You're wasting your time. I want to touch on your point, Donnie? Before uh, your last point, I really want to talk about your last point. Before we get to that, just a little emphasis on this idea that sincerity is not enough, and and I think that's the the ultimate argument that people make. Just so long as you're sincere, that's really all that matters. That's the test to most people. That's the acid test. If if I've got a sincere heart, it, everything's okay. In the Bible, it wasn't so. It wasn't so. You know, and the person who makes that kind of comment, Greg, I'd like to hear them explain and expound on the story of the uh, of the young prophet in First Kings chapter thirteen. He obviously was sincere. He believed the the lie that he was told. And to retell that story, God had told this young prophet, gave him three basic rules: and do not eat bread, do not drink water, and do not return by the same way you came. He well understood it to the point he could explain it to the king. He could turn around and explain it to an older prophet that here are the three rules. Do not eat bread, do not drink water, and do not return by the same way you came. And an old prophet came along and lied to him saying that you're to come back with me and eat bread and drink water. That's the exact opposite of the truth. And so, and then the text goes on to say at verse 18, but he lied to him. And the text tells us that he believed the lie, followed the lie, and went back with him and drank, ate bread and drank water. Don't you think he was sincere, though, in, in following that command? Don't you think yeah. he thought he was doing what God wanted him to do when he believed because the lie? Because the old prophet said, I, too, am a prophet, and an angel of the Lord spoke and to me. And he probably had some gray hair that would have been pretty <laughs> yeah. convincing. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing, the, the thing we learn from that is when we know God's truth, then somebody comes along and tells you something different, you've got to be willing to say, that can't be so. Because here's what I the already have been told the truth. Here's the truth. And, and if he had compared it to what he knew to be the truth, he would have known it to be a lie. Hereby we know the spirit of truth, the spirit of error. He would have known it to be a lie. But he bought the lie and believed it 
And back to your point, he was sincere, and yet God caused a lion to come forth and slay him. Exactly right. And then in the New Testament, Paul, we already mentioned that earlier, but Paul's a classic example of a, of a person who was doing everything against Christ, but he was doing it with a good conscience and in all sincerity. Uh, he said in Acts 26, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He thought it was what he should be doing. He, was he did it with a clear conscience. Three chapters yeah. earlier, verse, verse 1, right. I've lived in all good conscience before God to this day. That statement was made after he had held the coach for those who stoned Stephen. He had voiced his opinion they should be put in prison and put to death. He was doing things that were contrary to the will of God, and yet he said, I was sincere. All right, and he was zealous. Uh, back to the audience, uh, Arthur, your comment. In reference to our talking about the one faith, Paul, in writing to the Corinthians and dealing with many issues that they had, uh, there in the first chapter he was talking about division, and, and some were saying that they were of Paul and some of Apollos and of Cephas and of Christ. And in verse 10, he told them there, he said, I beseech you, which means beg, I beg you, brethren, by the name or the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things. There be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And it echoes what Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 20 and 21, as Nick references in the chat room. Neither do I pray for only for these, but for also for all... Uh, or them that believe on me through their word, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, uh, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. You yeah. referenced that earlier, Donnie, but uh, Nick concludes, relig- religious division will always hinder the truth. You think about that. Jesus said what he wants among his disciples is not this false idea of unity and diversity. No. He wants unity like the unity that exists between him and the Father. Well, the Father and the Son are in perfect harmony. They differ about nothing. Yes. They are exactly an agreement, and that's what Jesus prayed for. That's the kind of unity he wants among right. us, not some kind of false notion that you can believe what you believe and I believe what I believe. We'll just ignore that difference and say we're united. All right. Uh, John says the key is we want to know, uh, we have to want to know and want to follow the truth. Big problem today where many don't desire uh, to know the truth but want to know uh, what they feel and do is okay. So it is. Uh, it is a gets back to our heart. Let's get to, we're just going to run out of time here in a minute, but I want to get to Donnie's last point. This idea, one is as good as another, is leads to all kinds of, I mean, if you're going to take it logically to its full conclusion, it leads to some just crazy, absurd conclusions. Exactly. Before I mention those, I might just, showing the consequence of a doctrine that people buy into was was something that Paul did himself, like in 1 Corinthians 15, that if you believe this doctrine, then here are the consequences. And you've got to buy the consequences to go with the doctrine. Yeah. That, that's, so that's a biblically it's way a of arguing. biblical pr- principle. And so when we talk to people about their false concepts, we need to show their consequences. One of the consequences would be that God is divided. That if uh, one faith is as good as another faith, then, then God's divided because God says Jesus is the Son of God, and God is saying he's not the Son of God. God's divided. God's kind of split on that. It's sort of schizophrenic in some way. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, making exactly. his mind. Or in one place he says you need to be baptized, another place says you don't need to be baptized. Right. If you, if you said that as a person, people would say, there's something wrong with you. 
You know, you're saying one yeah. thing one time and something else the other time. Oh, we, we don't have any confidence in you. Right. But they want to pin that on God. They want to say God is divided right. into it. We're seeing that with politicians right now, that if he says one thing and then contradicts himself, he's nailed because he contradicted himself. They call him a flip-flopper. Right. And, and yet they accuse God of doing the same thing. Yeah. And uh, one of the points I made, Greg, in the uh, study tonight is that if 50 different people could have different faiths, that, that, and that's not unheard of. That's, that's not unheard of. And we're supposed to think that's good. That's great. You know, that here all we, we have different faiths. we got 50 people in the room, and they all have different things. We there, there's, a, there's a Methodist, there's a Lutheran, there's a Presbyterian, there's a Catholic, there's a Jehovah's Witness. There's a Muslim. Yeah. We're all there's on different faiths. Yeah. If 50 different people can have different faiths and be acceptable to God, then one person can have 50 different faiths. In other words, one person could hold multiple views that each contradict themselves. Right. If not, why not? Yeah. So so this one person could say, well, I'm a Methodist, but I'm also a Baptist. I uh, believe you have to be baptized in order to be saved, but I also believe you don't. I think Jesus is the only way to heaven, but I also think he's not the only way to heaven. Or I believe, I, I, I'm a oneness Pentecostal. I believe that there's only one person in the Godhead, but I'm also a Trinitarian Pentecostal who believes that there are three people in the Godhead. What, what would you say... What would you say about a person who you'd say that guy is crazy? He's absolute nuts. I mean, he, he, there's there's something psychologically far far. <laughs> He's not connected with reality. Yeah. yeah. How, and, and, and people would be raising the question: How can you say that? How can you say you believe these contradictory things? And yet we're saying God holds to those contradictory views because He approves of this religion, He approves of that one, He approves of this faith and of that faith. Yeah. One more comment from Arthur to, before we close. Just one more. David him in the Old Testament believed in unity. Uh, Psalm one thirty three said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Can't do that unless we're what, what God doing wants. the same thing. Uh, Donnie, just for point of reference, some of our listeners will recognize the name. You said you got that point from Curtis Porter, uh, an old gospel preacher who's been dead for over fifty years. Right, right. Uh, I never had heard that argument before. I think it's excellent. Yeah, I read that in some some of his material somewhere. He uh, he has, had an analytical mind that he could analyze an argument and show the absurdity of that. All right, excellent. Well, uh, Nick uh, concludes uh, this idea would not work in uh, practicality. He says uh, one drink is as good as another. How about strychnine laced water is as good as pure water? Lilace teaching, he said, uh, is as good as pure truth. Doesn't make much sense, Dan. Okay. Hey, I've got an email from Patrick in Alabama who says, Join too late to give replies to the question, but here's something to add to the discussion. According to the World Book Encyclopedia 2001, there are 33,830 denominations. Oh, there's your answer. As for world religion, one place lists about 20 major world religions, another lists 40. So, uh, And he says then, of course, each of those will have their own numerous sects. So there's a lot of division in the religious world. Absolutely. Uh, it is a hindrance to the truth, as Jesus said it would be in John 17. Real quickly, Donnie, you said, if one's as good as another, I can do anything I want. And you can't you can't tell me I'm wrong. Right. right. If, if one faith is as good as another, I can do anything I want to do, and I mean absolutely anything. And I gave kind of an absurd point, but I think it's, it's a valid point. There is a church a number of years ago called the Church of Love where they fornicated as a part of their worship. And while that's absurd, why not? If yeah. one faith is as good as another, well, how could, they... how could anyone tell them they're wrong? Right, right. If one's as good as another. Or we go back to the Old Testament. What about if we, if we start a church where we start sacrificing babies? Now, right. People would say, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. But why not? 
Why couldn't you? What's one faith is as good as another. And again, if you're going to draw the line, you've got to draw it where God's word Absolutely. says to draw. Thank you. Right. All right. Good discussion tonight. Yeah. Thank you. Donnie. And a good sermon. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks tonight. for joining us tonight, Donnie. All Glad right. And appreciate our audience for sticking with us tonight. Thank you for being uh, on the other li- uh, end of the line tonight over the internet. We appreciate you for joining us on the program tonight. Thanks to Anthony for running the controls. And we hope you make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.